We apologize for uh, for our absence of the past couple weeks. Uh, it is all on me. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Uh, I've been busy uh, dealing with stuff outside of the podcast, outside of redcoverbellion.com. So throw all of your um, curse words, um, all of your blame, uh, come at me in the mentions. Do not uh, do not blame anyone else. But never fear, we are back. Joining me, Nicholas Carr, my good man. How are you this evening? Oh, I am. Uh, I'm really thankful for Thursday night baseball because it is shortening this week. Is what it's doing. Yeah, I mean, you've got a. Uh, you know, right. somewhat playoff playoff basketball, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, play, it's playoff basketball. That's what it is. And the Grizz are wearing their, their throwback black jerseys. Looks like playoff basketball to me. Yeah, those are those are sharp. Um, the new uh, alternate black ones they have, the Isaac Hayes tribute ones, are really, really slick. Um, but, yeah, I love the throwback black. And then the throwback court to go with it is, is a nice touch. Um so, quick, quick question. You may know this. Why don't they just make this the the actual court? I mean, this is so much better than. No offense, yeah. I love the Bill Street Blue, but this is a good court. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're they they like to incorporate it here and there to pay homage, but I I, I kind of get it. They want to have ties to Memphis because they've relocated, and those were the old Vancouver colors. Um, so I think they kind of like to tie it to to Bill Street and to you know, kind of like a rebranding once they moved. And so I get it, but I do love that they wear them more and more because it is a really sharp look. But you got to admit, like, the teal and black, kinda, it kind of feels like Memphis. Like that, you know what I mean? I don't know. That I mean, just feels like, like the, Maybe they could somehow try to, you know, the teal of, like, a neon light on Bill Street. I wouldn't hate that. Then, I, I just – that seems like something, a, you know, a Memphis team would wear. But Yeah, you know. maybe, like, the – black is like for the black cobblestone on Beale street. And then, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, some PR speak. Yeah. The red could be for hot sauce, uh, <laughs> that you put on, you know, your catfish or whatever. But, um, I, I haven't checked it. Uh, what's the score of that game, by the way? Yeah. Clock just ran out. 196 Grizz. There we go. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, good for the Grizz. Uh, they're a fun team. I think they're probably still a player away from really contending. The West is just strong. We've talked about this before on air, off air. I think it's stupid. They need to be in the Eastern Conference. Um, maybe that's just subconsciously because I know that they're just kind of outmanned in the West right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at who they're fixing to face. They're either fixing to have to face like you know the, the seven seed LeBron and Anthony Davis and you know, Kyle Kuzma. I'm just – Unbelievable, or they're fixing out to face Steph, and then um, is the seven is the the eight seeds. I mean, the whole West is stupid good. Yeah. Um, all right, enough NBA. Uh, let's jump in before we talk baseball. Uh, Ole Miss takes on Georgia this weekend, final series of the regular season. Um, we're gonna get to that first, though. Week one slate was announced. Big games opening weekend. You've got Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Georgia, Ole Miss, Louisville to close things out on Monday the 6th in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Chick-fil-A kickoff. Um, 
Nick, I don't know how much you've looked into this, but uh, this week one slate is tremendous. Um, let's go ahead and run through it here. Uh, and I've got 10 games here, so we're going to talk more than just the uh, the ones that are going to be on uh, ESPN and you know that um, family of networks, if you will. Uh, one that's sticking out to me, surprisingly, uh, it's it looks good on paper. Um, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts, but you've got Louisiana at Texas. Now, hear me out. Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, Ooh, the guy. The border war. <laughs> yeah. The guy has continued to bet on himself. He has stayed in Louisiana. He is with the Raging Cajuns yet again. This is uh, this is an old Saban-Staffer battle here between Steve Sarkeesian and Billy Napier. Um I don't know if Texas is going to be back or not. I like Sark a lot. Um, I think we've said it on the show that he would be the guy that I would go after if Kiffin were to leave um, before he was hired at Texas. But um, I, Sark is going to have an offense. Um, Bijan Robinson's a fantastic running back. Casey Thompson looks to be the quarterback that he will have under center. Um, and then Raging Cajuns, three consecutive Sunbelt West Division titles. 21 games. Um, they've won 21 games last two years under Billy Napier. Whoa. So experienced roster going up against uh, the hype train that's in Austin. How are we feeling about the Raging Cajuns versus the Longhorns in, uh, I believe, a uh, updated Darrell K. Royal Stadium? Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. They've they fixed that. I guess it's the south end zone, the one that is kind of closer to town there where the students are. But this feels like a narrative bowl in terms of one of two things will happen. Texas wins big and we'll get to hear, you know, about what Steve Sarkeesian has done in that program in such a short time. You know how it is as though, you know, he's, he's a miracle worker. If they win, it, you know, big, it'll be, you know, how much he's changed and, and, you know, what he did at Alabama and his time there and how much he changed. And, you know, this is the Texas we've been waiting for and college football is better with Texas or we'll have a really close game or even, a you know, Louisiana, let's say they pull off a win and we'll get to talk about, you know, is this a team that can, you know, compete for, uh, you know, playoff spot or if they, you know, that type of top 10 team if they were to win. So I think that this is kind of like going to set the tone for these two teams all year long especially if it's a Texas win. I mean, because they will, they'll talk what you just said. Hey, they've won 21 straight games and look at what Texas did to them. So I think it's going to be a good game. I, I mean, I just think that the median Texas player is, is so much better probably than the median uh, raging Cajun player. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it, it will be fun to see Steve Sarkeesian, you know, as a head coach again. I kind of feel like it'll be really scrappy, really spunky first half. You know, that, Napier's squad is going to be well coached. Uh, like I said, it's an experienced team. What did um, Louisiana do last year to open the season? Do you recall? They played a Big Ten, Big 12 team. Oh, actually, I do not. I have no idea. Didn't they go up to Iowa State and beat them in week one? Did they? I think so. Let me do a quick quick, quick little Google. Um, now that you say that, it sounds right. Let's, uh, so 10 and 1. In 2020, uh, they won the first Responders Bowl. Uh, let's see. Schedule. Scrolling. Scrolling. Yeah, they went to yeah. Iowa State and they put the they 20, put, beat them down. 
Put the wood to them. 31-14. Wikipedia has the attendance as zero. Um, <laughs> find that That's hard to so believe. Sad. But yeah, hell of a year for uh, for the Rage of Cajuns. Only loss was a three-point loss to Coastal Carolina, who was one of the better stories of the year. Um, didn't get to play in the Sunbelt title game against Coastal. It was uh, ruled a no contest uh, per Wikipedia. Um beat UT San Antonio in their bowl game. But, yeah, I, Levi Lewis is back, uh, the senior quarterback for Louisiana. So, Guy's been um, there forever. Yeah, I, it'll be close. I, I, you know, honestly, I think it might be flipped around the way they beat Iowa State. That's kind of what I think Texas might, you know, 34-20, 34-17 type win. Um, so that game is on Saturday, September 4th. Uh, Thursday, September 2nd, uh, this one not as, not as flashy on paper, Ohio State at Minnesota in Minneapolis. Um, the Buckeyes begin their defense of the Big Ten title on the road. First trip to Minneapolis since 2014. Um, well, we can keep this one short, Nick, unless you've got some hot takes. I, I, I don't see this one being very close. Uh, look, I, Ohio State's got to replace Justin Fields, but I think they're going to be okay there. Um, but take your pick with any of the backups. I mean, uh, somebody Ole Miss fans might recognize Jack Miller could be the starting quarterback. Um, but man, PJ Fleck, ball from grace. Ever since going eleven and two in twenty nineteen yep. with Minnesota, went three and four in in uh, in twenty twenty last year, abbreviated season. Um, they do have Tanner Morgan back and Muhammad Ibrahim is back, but I, I think this is a route. I think Ohio State will handle them. They also lost Rashad Bateman, the, the wide receiver. Yes. So, I mean, that's a, a huge loss. But since Ben's not here, I'll just say what I know he would say is that Ohio State covers early games. I mean, that that's what they do. Yep. They put the I mean, put the wood to people early in the season. That's what they'll do to to open the season on a Thursday night. You get everyone talking about the Buckeyes. I I, if, I would take this line well into the thirties. They will be yeah. It, you know how I mean, you know how Ohio State is. Would would forty five to they ten make, or they make or, statements early? Yeah, yeah. I mean, would fifty two to would fifty two to seventeen surprise you at all? No. Mm-mm. And look, he hasn't he hasn't won a title yet, but I honestly think that Ryan Day is set up to be a better coach before it's all said and done in Columbus. Uh, with being compared to Urban Meyer, I think yeah. that they're recruiting at a much higher level. He's, I think he's going to do more than sustain it there. Um, I think sometimes, too, coach, you, you, coaches don't get quite enough credit for, for sustaining it. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, look at what, you know, people do after they leave, you know, big pro, like big programs that were good back in the 90s. Look what happened in Tennessee. Look what happened in Nebraska. I mean, Alabama was terrible for like 20 years, you know, back yeah. in the, the 80s and 90s. So it's, it's not like super easy to sustain – you know, dominance. So uh, the fact that he is taking a top five program and kept it a top five program in his first head coaching job, I think that says a lot about him. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, it, it say what you will about Ohio State. I know it's easy to hate them, but uh, he's a hell of a coach. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, look, if it's, um, if it wasn't for Alabama, they'd probably have the best recruiting class every single year. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a route. Uh, also on Saturday, September 4th, this one uh, looks looks sexy on paper. Uh, I don't think this one will be much of a contest. Um, 
feel free to disagree. Boise State at UCF in the bounce house, Orlando, Florida. Um, two of the best group of five teams um, perennially every year. Um, no more Brian Harson, our guy. He's gone. He's on the planes now. Uh, alum Andy Avalos is now the head coach. Uh, and then Gus Malzahn, obviously, in his first year down in Disney. Um, what can you say? UCF has finished in the top 10 nationally in scoring offense in each of the last four seasons. Dylan Gabriel's back. They've got a bunch of impact transfers coming in. Um, it, this one's going to be, I, I would venture to say, high scoring. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, I, I know uh, UCF's defense, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, 6.2 yards per play and 33 points allowed per game. Last season, so I think it's going to be a shootout. Do you know where uh, Andy Avalos was last year? Uh, was it a Power Five job? It it actually it was a Power Five job. It wasn't Ohio State, was it? In the Pac-12, no. Oh, uh, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I had no idea. I mean, he's a he's a his name rang a bell, but I thought you were saying it because we were just talking about Ohio State, but now that, yeah. Now, yeah, when you said a, Pac-12, I knew it immediately. He's a he's a lifelong Boise State guy. Played there, coached there from yeah. 2012 to 2018, but I, I mean, I had no idea. That, that I'm sure that Boise went out and plucked some dude off the Boise State tree who'll come in and win, you know, you know, 58 games in five years and just be good like they always are. Um, I just, Boise, to me, is just a, they have a, a higher floor than Central Florida does, and you know, I, I it, it a very compelling game, I guess, to start the year. But uh, you know, for Avalos, who's thirty nine years old, this is the now the head coach at Boise State. I mean, that's crazy because you know he mm-hmm. is the three in his age is the same as the three in the beginning of my age. So I feel like you know I need to get on it. But yeah, Boise to me just feels like that that program kind of runs itself. I mean, maybe UCF does the same thing, but. Uh, that that zero and twelve season still exists for UCF, and it, it doesn't exist for Boise. So, I you know I'm very interested to see how Gus works down there. The pieces are kind of already there. He, he basically just has to get into the Lamborghini and just stay between the mustard and the mayo um, <laughs> with that offense. But you know how Gus is with offense and he, he loves to screw around and get cute. So this one could be some early fireworks oh, yeah. on opening weekend. Um, all right. Another one. Uh, I feel like this is one that you're going to love and be absolutely glued to on Saturday as well in Iowa city, Indiana at Ohio or at Iowa, I should say not Ohio. Um, a lot of buzz about the Hoosiers, even though lost the bowl game to Ole Miss um, they expect Michael Penix Jr. to be back after uh, tearing his ACL. Um, look, I mean, Tom Allen done a hell of a job. Um, I mean, they're coming. I mean, Indiana's coming off their first postseason finish in the top 25 since 1988, 33 years. Uh, and then their first preseason ranking since 1969. Um, but, man, you want to talk about a machine that just kind of runs itself. Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes, man, they just kind of seem to figure it out every single year. So this one, if you like Big Ten, this one's going to be fun. 
Yeah, what a what a start by the Big Ten with with all these these conference games and in week one, I guess when you have nine conference games, you have the benefit of of throwing a few extra on week one. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if back when we used to play, uh, you know, we opened a couple of years with Vanderbilt. It's like, well, then there's only seven, you know, SEC games remaining. But when you've got nine, you can kind of do that. But yeah, this will be this will be a fun one. I, Indiana loses. Let's see the the quarterbacks back, but they lose their top two wide receivers. Um, I mean, that's probably going to be, you know, some growing pains, I suppose. But I mean, like you yeah. said, Tom Allen, I mean, he figured it out last year with, you know, guys you not really ever heard of before. It wasn't like they were preseason top 10 or anything. It was a good team last year and, you know, kind of ran into an offensive buzzsaw, but in the, in the, the bowl game, not to brag, but you know, this, this would be, this would be a good one. Definitely. Uh, you said this is at Iowa, so we get the wave, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we we need the week one wave. You, you just we need imagine. A, we need a packed house. We need a packed yeah. house. Yeah, we need a packed house. I think we're going to get that in Iowa. You know, in, in September. But imagine you're getting on Twitter the first week. You're checking, seeing what's going on, and oh. everyone's talking about how good it feels to have the wave back at Iowa with the full crowd. I mean, you talk about you know emotional having that back with the full crowd, the wave to the kids after you know the the crappy year and a half that we'll have had at that point. I mean, it'll, it's going to feel good. Yeah. Something to, to, to keep an eye on here for betting purposes. Um, I mentioned Michael Penix back. Um, we'll see how he is. You know, he likes to do a lot of damage with his legs, with a new knee. Can he still do it? Uh, but Iowa is looking to basically revamp a defense that, held teams to 16 points a game in 20. Good God. Um, so, man, I what – and I'm drawing a complete blank, and now I, it's going to make me mad. Um, the defensive coordinator, Phil Parker, um, the defensive coordinator for Iowa that has been there basically with Kirk Ferentz the entire time. Uh, yes, he has been, been there since like 2000, isn't he? Yeah. First year in Iowa City was 1999. <laughs> um been the DC since 2012. Uh, so he will have his hands full, but um, Tyler Goodson's back, the running back. He's uh, he's a good one. And then uh, Spencer Petrus is back as the quarterback, uh, kind of looking to build off of some late momentum uh, last season. But, uh, but yeah, that was going to be fun. I mean, I, I love the, the, uh, the conference matchups in week one um, on the flip side, non-conference power five matchup, same day, Saturday, September 4th in Pasadena, LSU travels to UCLA. Hear me out, Nick. This one could get tricky for Ed Ordron. LSU was not good last year. Look, I know no. they beat Ole Miss. They were not good. If the game in Baton Rouge is not a complete downpour, I think Ole Miss wins by three touchdowns. Um, yeah. If Braylon Sanders doesn't get hurt, they win by three touchdowns. If Jerry Neely's not hurt, they win by three touchdowns. I mean, take your pick. I mean, Elijah Moore, Kenny Yeboa set out. Don't care. Good for them. Glad they did it. Doesn't matter. They would have won by three touchdowns without him if it's not pouring down rain. Um, look, the Bruins, they might have bit me in the ass a couple times gambling when I went against them. Chip Kelly has kind of started to right the ship in L.A., um, they averaged 35.4 points per game last year. Um, and then, look, they've only allowed that defense just 5.4 yards per play. Um, better than 2019, they gave up near seven yards per play. 
Um, you know, LSU is going to have the athletes and they're going to have probably top to bottom, a better roster. But I feel like this one is very, very, very slippery for the Tigers heading out to California. Yeah. And I feel like too, if, uh, if, if Chip Kelly's ever going to do it at UCLA, Mm -hmm. this is a Mm -hmm. must win, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if he's going to do it, this is what year four, I think out there for him. I know one of them was a pandemic year. This is it, times now. So, what time is this game? Have they said it yet? I don't have the time on here in front of me. It just has the date. Um, they may not have announced it yet, but Pasadena. I mean, look. I hope it's at dusk because in the Rose Bowl with the San Gabriel Mountains in the background is just absolute yeah. chef's kiss. I hope it's a night game. Um. I forgot to mention Dorian Thompson Robinson is back for UCLA another yep, year UCLA. under Chip Kelly and that offense. Uh, I look, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what this line is because I might just go full send with the Bruins. Well, if, if let's assume it's a night game and we'll, we'll we talk, we'll talk about this game here in a second. It's going to overlap the, uh, the Alabama Miami game. I'm sure hopefully because that game is going to be a bore. The, I, I mean, the quote unquote game. Yeah, I mean they're they're talking it up and stuff, and heck, Miami could be a top fifteen team. It doesn't matter if Alabama's not playing an Ole Miss team that can score or a team of equal talent like Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State. It doesn't matter. How, I mean, you can be the eighth best team in the country and lose by twenty to mm-hmm. them, and still be the eighth best team in the country if if you can't score with them. And I don't think the Canes can. You know, no. it's it's not going to be super fun. So yeah, this is the game where you're going to want want to watch in week one, or at least on that Saturday. This I'm a heck of a slate we've got. Because I mean, you're just listing game after game after game. You ain't gotten to, you know, a pretty good game on Sunday night, Notre Dame, Florida State. Obviously, we yep. know about Ole Miss that night. Uh, you mentioned Georgia, Clemson as well. Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, let's go to it. You just you just mentioned it. Fighting Irish traveling to Tallahassee. Um, Man, you want to talk about? I don't really care what the line is. I might just go with my gut here. I still don't buy the hype. I don't know what the hell Mike Norvell and them are doing. Yeah. Um, they went three and six last year. They've really shown zero signs of getting better. And look, football aside, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad that he is giving it a go and got cleared medically. Mackenzie Milton former UCF guy, which I, I still have yet to watch the replay of his leg injury because uh, it's basically I've heard horror stories about it and people have nightmares about his leg injury because it's so bad. Um, regardless of how his season goes, good to see him back playing. I don't think he can get it done. Notre Dame was a really, really good team last year. Um, Ian Book's gone. Um, but look, you want to talk about – a kind of a shift that kind of drives itself. I mean, Notre Dame has won at least 10 games in the last four years. Brian Kelly just kind of figures it out every single year. They recruited a high level. Um, Book's gone. Most of the offensive line is gone. But again, they recruit well. Kind of time for them to start getting into that mode like Alabama, like Clemson, like Georgia, like Ohio State, where you just kind of plug and play. Um, They're going to need to be a little bit more – you know, clicking on all cylinders, high powered on offense, try to find some big playability with no Ian book and losing some guys on offense. But I just don't really see Florida state putting up much of a fight in this. No, 
I know there's the whole Catholics versus convicts thing from back in the day, but I think Notre Dame's just better. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is, I'm not comparing them to this, but Notre Dame is like, uh, you know, a Walmart knockoff version of like Ohio State and that they just, mm-hmm. every year they're well coached. They kind of just do the, they do what they do and they're, they're just better than Florida State. And I mean, if you're asking me who the better coach is between, you know, Kelly or Norvell at Florida State, I mean, it, it's obviously Notre Dame. I mean, that that they're much better coached. I don't. I don't see this being – I see it being close, but I don't think it's ever really like in jeopardy in terms of Notre Dame losing the game. I mean, that's just – it's just a better program right now than Florida State. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, putting aside Florida State's kind of up and down, you know, recruiting problems and, and everything that's going on down there, it's just kind of strange. Notre Dame's just better. Yeah, and this is uh, – I forgot to mention, the only game scheduled for Sunday night, September 5th. So – for the sake of TV ratings, I think they're hoping this is a good one. I kind of feel like Notre Dame just kind of runs away with it. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, more Big Ten action here, Saturday, September 4th. Uh, this one's intriguing. It's got some It's got some juice to it. Penn State at Wisconsin. What? In the Madhouse. In Madison. Another week one Big Ten conference matchup. Um, look, I... Penn State last year was weird. Um, they were they were not good. It was very strange. Uh, say what you want about James Franklin and how he's a scumbag, but he's a good football coach. Um, the Nittany Lions have won um, – excuse me. The Nittany Lions and the Badgers have played just once in the regular season since 2014. Uh, Penn State has a four-game winning streak in the series. Uh, which includes a win over Wisconsin in the 2016 Big Ten title game. A lot of unmet expectations last season. Um, neither one were in the top 25. Uh, Penn State struggled offensively. Wisconsin's defense was really good. I mean, Jim Leonard and what he's done there is tremendous, but the offense was just not good. Uh, I remember watching them play Indiana, and it was just – I mean, I don't even know. what What's worse than watching paint dry? I mean, give me something. Like, it was just bad. Um Graham Mertz is back. He was good as a freshman, but he played like a freshman. Um, so maybe he'll have a jump in year two under center. But um, nevertheless, I mean, even though it's kind of two teams that sputtered last year, I kind of like to see that next step, that next year, and to see if they get better. Um, this one still intrigues me. Um, even though it's, you know, make a joke about the Big Ten if you want. But, I mean, this one's still got some, like I said, it's got some juice. Yeah, that, that Penn State team, though, is – marred by its record last year it was a lot better at the end of the year than its record i think in 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 bill Connolly's sp plus rankings i think they finished 22nd and his defense of them was pretty much like uh, yeah they were really bad at the beginning of the year but but did you watch them in the last four or five games of the year it was a pretty good team and the defense i think was elite so uh, you know his point was you know obviously they weren't a great football team but they started playing pretty good football at the end of the year. So, I mean, and and I don't know if you mentioned they these teams recruit well. So Penn State's mm-hmm. not going to stay a below five hundred team for long. You know, Wisconsin is obviously going to be up there every year. So, I, and also, have you looked at um, Penn State's schedule? Do you know who who else they play later in the year in non conference? I do not. Please, please share. You know Auburn goes to Happy Valley in week three. 
Oh, that's right. Oh, I had no okay. idea. Yeah, they announced it as the whiteout game this year. So uh, th- this past earlier this week. So that's how I knew. I had no clue that uh, you know Auburn is going to Happy Valley this year. I Man, that's a you know a, a place I feel like a lot of SEC fans would like to go to. So that'll be pretty cool. But yeah, it's gonna be a good game. I I just is the is the Big Ten starting out with all uh, fourteen teams playing non uh, conference games? Do you know. <laughs> I'd ha- I'd have to take a peek. Um, you might. I mean, that's you might need to real quick while I intro this one. But yeah, I mean, this is great. I love this. I mean, this is six of the tw- of the fourteen teams. So I'm just going to go ahead and pull it. Introduce the name. Yeah, go ahead. Um, next one. Uh, some might say it's the big one, but I don't think this is going to be close. Saturday, September fourth in Atlanta. Uh, kind of the appetizer before Ole Miss and Louisville. Miami taking on Alabama. I mean, if you're looking for if you're looking for brand recognition for uh, for big name programs, uh, this is it. You got the U taking on the Crimson Tide. It's the first time they have played since the 1993 Sugar Bowl. Uh, Alabama won that one to win the national title. Um, this is also um, good note here, Nick. Um, it marks the uh, the first step in uh, Alabama's quest to repeat after beating Ohio State in the national title last year. Oh, um, Nick Saban losing a lot, but like we said, plug and play. Bryce Young, a lot of hype around him. Uh, didn't play a lot last year. Mac Jones obviously uh, ran things for, uh, for the Tide. Bryce Young, a lot of hype coming in. Uh, five-star quarterback out of California. Um Hurricanes kind of finished with a dud last year. De'Aaron King tore his ACL. So uh, they started out hot and then finished six and seven. That was in that was in 2019. I misspoke. Last year, eight and three. Um, sorry, I was looking at the wrong thing. Um, so, yeah, as, as I was saying that, I was like, I feel like they were better last year. Um, yeah, eight and three last year. Uh, they they kind of got punched in the mouth by North Carolina and got embarrassed in prime yeah. time, but um, look, Manny Diaz has recruited extremely well, and look, I'll say this, Nick, before we get to Ole Miss, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you need Miami to win with Manny Diaz, and you need UCLA to win with Chip Kelly, because those are two jobs that I think Lane Kiffin would think about if he was approached. Um, we can talk about that at a later date. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. a taking a run with it but um nevertheless look i don't think that this one's going to be close i think alabama's going to just absolutely blow the doors off miami um what do you think yeah i think so too i think the best part of this game honestly is going to be all the commercials about the game on monday night between Ole Miss and louisville i i, I mean i this is kind of off topic but it, it'll be cool all weekend to see them talk about the upcoming games of the week. They'll talk about Florida State and, and Notre Dame a little bit. But they're going to be talking about Ole Miss and Louisville. I think it's going to be really cool to be back in the spotlight. Um, as far as this game goes, I mean, like I said, I said it earlier, it, Miami could be 8-3. and three. They could be another good football team, and they could get embarrassed here. I mean, better teams have lost, you know, by, by three or four touchdowns to, this, to these type of Alabama teams. Uh, I think we could – I think maybe we could see 
by the end of the summer, I think you might see some some sports writers so bored from the summer that they start putting Bryce Young at number one. You know, maybe maybe preseason All SEC type guy. Not to say he's not going to be really oh. good. I think that's how bored they'll get. It's a long summer. I mean, it's going to be that. It's going to be the JT Daniels narrative. Um, oh, and look, gosh. this is an, this is an Ole Miss podcast, but look, the numbers speak for themselves. Matt Corral is first team All SEC. Yeah, JT Daniels is really it, good against Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah, congrats. Um, at least preseason. Let's see what Matt does in twenty twenty one. Obviously, um, but look, the dude led the country in total yards. Um, yeah, okay. He had the game against Arkansas and he had some hiccups against LSU and the pouring down rain, but the guy absolutely lit up everybody. It, it, that's neither here nor there. It, yeah, but I, I, I hear you. They're going to do the whole Bryce Young thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a blowout. Um, probably the marquee game outside of Ole Miss and Louisville for the folks that are listening here. Saturday, September 4th in Charlotte, Clemson, Georgia. Uh, I mean, this is going to have everything. Uh, it's two teams that a lot of people dislike, but um, <laughs> but look, I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's Dabo, it's Kirby Smart, um, you know, two teams that are vying for a spot in the playoff to try to knock off Nick Saban and Alabama. Um, Georgia, you know, all jokes aside, they're poised to have a really good offense. JT Daniels is a good quarterback. He was coming off an injury, so last year he was trying to, you know kind of grease the wheels a little bit, get the training wheels off. Um, but Clemson's got a good quarterback as well. DJ uh, Uyunglele, um played really well last year when he had to. So uh, this is this is going to be something. Georgia's defense was really good last year. Um, got a lot of good players. Um, as we know, Georgia recruits really well. They, uh, they really sell. Um, REM and uh, Wayne Knight and Corey Smith and all that, but uh, this is this is the juice. This is the, these are the fireworks that you want. Week one, Clemson, Georgia. Yeah, I think Clemson's uh, you know, the, the offensive firepower is still too much. I mean, Uyangalele was Uyangalele. I'll, I'll figure that out shortly, but it was really good last year. In the limited time we saw him, the, the guy could throw the football, you know, a mile. So mm-hmm. I, there's going to be obviously a learning curve, you know, since Trevor Lawrence is gone. But there's a ton of talent. I mean, more talent on Clemson's side of the ball on offense than Georgia's going to have. I, and I, I'm glad we're getting this game. I'm 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 really glad we're going to get a top ten matchup. You know, in week one uh, against teams that are you know kind of almost sort of long time like rivals from back in the day. I think Georgia and Clemson have played a number of times or not, yeah. but about maybe two and a half, three hours away from each other. I mean, there's not a, not a ton of you know distance between them. But, man, how much cooler would it be if, if they were playing, you know, in Death Valley or at Sanford Stadium than in yeah. the Panther Stadium, was which is – Was it Bank of America? Yeah, and it, it's sort of odd. I mean, I know Clemson is kind of not far from Charlotte, obviously, but – Technically, you have a Georgia team and a South Carolina team going north of, you know, it's like Georgia is going to pass Clemson on the way to Charlotte. So it it would just be cool if this was a home and home. I I think that soon we're going to kind of get back to where they they ditch the old, you know, non-conference, you know, one off in an NFL stadium. And we're going to get that home and home. 
Um, but you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad they're playing. Yeah. Uh, before we get to uh, Ole Miss Louisville, other week one games of note, uh, Oregon State at Purdue. Yeah. Michigan State at Northwestern, another week one Big Ten matchup. Oklahoma traveling down to the Big Easy uh, to take on Tulane. That will be an absolute laugher. All respect to uh, to Willie Fritz. Uh, that's going to be a blowout. Uh, you got West Virginia at Maryland. San Jose State coming off a big year, going to L.A. to take on Southern Cal. Stanford, Kansas State in Arlington. Man, you want to talk about paint drying. Mm. Uh, that one is going to be a hoot. Uh, Texas Tech, Houston in Houston, Nevada at you California. Say, you say Stanford, Kansas State is going to be in Arlington? Yeah. How many people are going to Arlington? I mean, Stanford doesn't have fans. And Kansas State, I mean, I, maybe they'll have some folks there. It's a it's a big metro, but I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many. I don't know, many I don't know how many Stanford kids are going. I mean, it's week one, so it's syllabus week. But, you know, syllabus week at Stanford is a different animal. So, uh, uh, I just can't. So, yeah. That's a, what a matchup. Yeah. Uh, Nevada at California. Um, the Wolfpack going to Berkeley. And then Arizona BYU in Vegas, I assume, at the Raiders Stadium. All right. That. Uh, the, that's a cool yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's not bad. Uh, the one you've been waiting for, Louisville, Ole Miss, Monday, September 6th, primetime, ESPN, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. First meeting, Nick. I don't know if you knew this. First yeah. meeting yeah. all time in football. Uh, final game of the week one slate. Um, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it real here. Um, this is a huge opportunity for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Um, Scott Satterfield's a good coach, uh, but I think this is a huge opportunity for to Ole Miss or for Ole Miss to make a statement. Um, not only just to kind of announce like, "Hey, Outback Bowl wasn't a fluke. We're kind of here to, uh, you know, the Alabama game wasn't a fluke. We're kind of here to uh, to announce our presence, and then also for recruiting." Um, Prime time, a lot of eyeballs. Um, we saw how recruits reacted last year when Alabama and Ole Miss played and how close it was. But look, Ole Miss averaged 39.2 points per game in 2020. Matt Corral's back. We talked about him and how good he was. Um, Louisville averaged six points, you know, 6.7 yards per play last season. Uh, but they had a ton of turnovers. And um, I just. I don't know. I know this is an Ole Miss podcast, but I feel like this is a game, like I said, Ole Miss can make a statement. And, look, if the line is seven and a half, I'm laying them. Yeah, I think Ole Miss is is a better team just from what I've seen the last couple years. I don't know a ton about this Louisville team. So, I mean, I I won't, you know, get into that probably until later, you know, in the summer, just once I have a chance to take a look. But I'm most excited about – being back in the game, so to speak. I am you remember losing to Florida State a few years ago in Orlando. That sucked, but the first half was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. But but you remember how big of a deal it felt? You know, going down, we're getting you know the, the Monday night game. They're gonna talk about it. I think it was the night before was was Notre Dame in Texas on Sunday night. So you you know you had them talking, which is kind of, you know, similar. It's Notre Dame, Florida State this year, but <clears throat> They talked a lot about 
you know, Ole Miss and Florida State. And, and we were kind of the center of attention that week one. And, you know, for a half, we played like it. And, and, and we, you know, we, we felt like we had arrived after, after being there. And it feels like after, you know, four or five years in the wilderness, I think it's going to feel like that again. You know, I'm not even speaking on the game, which I think we're going to win. I think we're going to impress some folks. But just being back on that big national stage, I mean, you, you know how irrelevant it felt in 2017, 2018. I mean, it was awful. So yeah. getting back to where your front and center of the offense is fun. I, you know, I think Ole Miss is probably going to be ranked top 20-ish. And if you come out and kind of put a beat down on Louisville, I mean, I really think you're going to shoot up. And the people are going to start talking about, oh, look at that week three, that week four matchup against, you know, in, in Tuscaloosa. They played them close last year. And I'm, yeah. maybe that's a, a, a bad thing for them to talk about that. But it's cool to be mentioned again. Can, you know, can Lane Kiffin be the first assistant to beat Nick Saban? You know, I mean, it's going to be squirreling. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first uh, – not the first time in primetime, or maybe it is, but – um, no, because he had 2016. But the return to Atlanta. Uh, last time Ole Miss was there for a week one matchup, they uh, beat the brakes off Boise State. That was a good Boise State team with Jay Ajaye uh, when Brian Harson was there. Um, but that was a fun game. Defense played well. Kind of uh, put on a show uh, with all the big hits. And Bo Wallace, and yeah. Cody Core, and the rest of the crew had a big game. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. And you know, like you said, it's – it, it, it not only, you know, with football being back and having a full season, and I think stadiums are going to be full. But like you said, it's it, it feels good to be back in prime time and kind of feel validated, like feel like it's earned. Like this isn't just a, OK, let's let's let Ole Miss have a chance. Like, no, like, no, like last season, Ole Miss proved that they're close and they won a bowl game against a top 15 Indiana team. So this is their chance. Like you said, I think they're going to be preseason ranked. 15 to 18. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, this this is huge. Um, and, it, it, it's not Bank of America Stadium. It's not Camping World Stadium down in Orlando, which is a dump. This is Mercedes-Benz oh. Stadium. I mean, this is, uh, if oh, not the nicest stadium in the world, you know, it's 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 top two it's or three. Me- it's the Mecca. Yeah. I mean, now that they've added SoFi and Allegiant out there in, in, in L.A. And, and Las Vegas, I mean, there's some other really great stadiums. But this is right there. I mean, this is a – I mean, didn't they play the college football national title there mm-hmm. uh, two years ago? I mean, it's you know, mm-hmm. this is a big time stadium. So, if nothing else, it'll be cool as an Ole Miss fan. I mean, you know, joke, you know, joke all you want, but we haven't been to an SEC title game. It'll be cool mm-hmm. to go to Atlanta and say, "Hey, let's let's get back here." And you you can sell that as Lane Kiffin. You know, you can sell that to your players. Hey, like how how fun was that? Let's come back here in December. Let's come back here next yes. December. All right, week one, it is – come on. I don't even know how – electric factory. There it is. That's that's week one. It's going to be a blast. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind you that um, this show is brought to you by um, – or I should say it's brought to you by a lot of people. But uh, we are in the State Farm Davis McCord studio uh, if you need – Good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates. Look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm. They're your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Call Davis, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. All right, we're going to take a break. 
hear from our other lovely sponsors when we come back we're going to talk almost baseball and uh the weekend against georgia and athens so hang tight we'll be right back It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the Rooftop Bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you 
to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. All right, Nick, let's talk Miss baseball. The weekend that was huge, huge series win in Oxford. Ole Miss takes two of three from the number two ranked Vanderbilt Commodores without Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, emotional weekend for the team, I'm sure. And look, they shocked me. Um, Vanderbilt's really good. You obviously know about Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter. We, if you didn't know about Jack Leiter, you found out on, on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, huge win. Um Huge series win, I should say. Uh, showing some fight on Sunday, winning a, uh, a slugfest. But turning the page to this weekend, uh, if we look at the uh, live RPI right now, Ole Miss sits at 15. They dropped a couple spots after dropping a midweek to uh, to UT Martin. Look, uh, a lot of people were kind of, you know, ho-humming on Twitter, on the message boards. But, look, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the analytics, it doesn't matter. It's a meaningless midweek game. You need to get ready and take care of business against Georgia this weekend. Uh, Ole Miss sits right now 36 and 16 overall. They're 16 and 11 in the SEC. Before the season started, Nick, we said they need to be in that 17 to 18, best case 19 wins in conference to uh, really get a, uh, a good seating in this NCAA tournament. I think they're going to be comfortably hosting, barring something crazy this weekend. But um, what do you kind of expect this weekend heading to Athens? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know, Ole Miss is going to have to win like they won last weekend against Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I hate to put that much, you know, confidence in, in one guy and occasionally put that much on his shoulders, but he's going to have to be lights out every time he pitches. We're going to have to win that game. And, you know, be it a regional or against Georgia or in Hoover and, you know, super regional or whatever. And then, you know, not burn too many bullpen arms in the second game. If you win it, great. If not, then you're set up well for game three. So I, I think that that last week, I don't, you know, we didn't talk about it, but I thought for us to win against Vanderbilt, it was going to have to play out exactly as it did. And I'm not saying that, you know, I predicted it. It wasn't some crazy idea to think, hey, Doug Nikhazy, that guy who's been pretty good all year is going to have to be good, you know, for, for you to beat Vanderbilt. Of course he was. But that's exactly how we're going to have to win. I mean, that was the blueprint last weekend. You know, Nikhazy goes seven innings strong, kind of keeps the bullpen intact. Whatever you do, game two, you, you don't burn many good bullpen guys. And then game three, you outslug a team. So, I mean, I think uh, you could do it against Georgia. I mean, looking at their numbers, I mean, they've got a guy on, on – I guess he's going to go Friday night this week who, who's got a, a 1.98 whip in SEC play. 
you know, I mean, essentially. Are you talking about Wagner or Sullivan? Uh, I think it's Sullivan. Um, I think they said. Yeah, Sullivan, I guess technically they're Saturday guy going on Friday because last yeah. series of the year. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So uh, it, it kind of. Uh, and and may, maybe that's going to be the Thursday guy. He was a Friday guy. When they mix up the series, it, it kind of gets a little confusing. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's tons of opportunities. Georgia doesn't exactly pitch the ball very well. So you go out. I, I mean, I don't, you don't have to win two this weekend. I think you you win one here. And the good thing about Hoover is, is that worst-case scenario, you go in one. But if you win that first game, well, then you've kind of built in, you know, a little bit more cushion. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a couple kind of games to play with over there. So I think Ole Miss probably needs just one more SEC win to host. And I think they're probably three SEC wins combined mm-hmm. away from ho- being a, a natty seed. And, and maybe not quite. Yeah. yeah, but right. Yeah, I was going to say right on it. I think. If you win three more SEC games, be it a sweep this weekend or two, and then one more in Hoover, I think you're going to feel pretty decent about getting one of those top eight seeds. I mean, you know, it, especially kind of seeing what MSU did last weekend. I mean, that they laid an egg against the Missouri team that is is really bad. I mean, just really, really bad. So that kind of opened the door. You know, MSU is not in any way comfortable as a, as a national seed now. So, you know, it's kind of – it's kind of right there, which is which is really crazy. It, it, it says a lot about the hitting that we're still where we are, even without you know the pitching is is depleted and it was you know not that great to start with. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that is you know we kind of talked about it the other night, and this team is is kind of weird, but they're but they're a lot of fun. They have their flaws, yeah. but I honestly think that as a whole, the team kind of knows who they are. Like they know their identity. Yeah, I mean they're they're tied with Vandy atop the league for team batting average. They're hitting three hundred two as a team, slugging four seventy two. They've got a three ninety eight on base percentage that leads the conference, lead the conference in runs scored, almost four hundred runs scored uh, this season lead the conference in hits as a team by uh, 21 over Tennessee, uh, lead the conference in runs batted in. And, and look, I, mind you, this is all pretty much without Tim Elko, yeah. which is just insane. Um, they're kind of middle of the pack in home runs. They don't hit a ton of home runs. They're third in total bases in the SEC, third in total plate appearances, uh, third in at-bats, um, fifth in walks, uh First and hit by pitch, which uh, is something that I would never would have guessed that, that they were first in the conference in. But, um, but look, I mean, this team they they kind of they kind of go about their business offensively. And this Georgia team, they're twenty nine and twenty one coming into the weekend, twelve and fifteen in the SEC. They're kind of playing for their NCAA tournament lives, if you will, trying to uh, impress the committee to get into a a comfortable regional. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this Georgia team, they're fifth in team ERA, fourth in opponent batting average. They've allowed the fifth fewest hits, and they've given up the fifth fewest home runs, and they're tied with Arkansas for sixth in strikeouts in the league. So they pitch it pretty well. But, look, like you said, this is a team, uh, talking about Ole Miss again, they should come in and win, too, without really 
breaking a sweat. And that's all due respect to Georgia, but Ole Miss is better on paper. They're better top to bottom offensively. And uh, I think they have the arms. And look, the bullpen is depleted. They don't have a they don't have a you know a full arsenal. But uh, I think with Nikhazy, Diamonds got the talent to have a big game. And then look, Drew McDaniel's been up and down, but he's been good. And then you've got Taylor Broadway on the back end to uh, close things down. So I think Ole Miss has a really good shot to win two of three this weekend. Yeah, and Bianco talked, and I think in the post game, or maybe it was in you know a, a sit down the next day but he talked about he was going to use brandon johnson a little bit more this weekend so hey i mean you know the the guy who who throws 96 maybe you want to want to use him more especially yeah, against the georgia team maybe doesn't re- doesn't really crush the ball so yeah i mean like i said the blueprints there nikhazy's gonna have to have a big night you're gonna have to try and stretch diamond for three or four innings on the weekend of high leverage stuff you know mm-hmm. not just not just three innings, but but three of your your, your highest leverage innings, and, and the same kind of with Dowdy. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's right there. And you talked about this on this team is kind of a. I, I think they know exactly who they are offensively, and I think every single guy kind of just like I mean, I hate to use this, but like kind of just brings his lunch pail to work. I mean, like Kevin Graham, not flashy. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think Kevin Graham would would call himself flashy. I mean, it just kind of feels like he just puts his head down and, 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 you know, hits the ball the other way. I mean, he just mm-hmm. – McCants is out there. Uh, Gonzalez, I mean, those guys have a little bit more pop and maybe, you know, they're, they're younger, so maybe they're a little flashier. But I just feel like it's a lot of guys. You know, Kale Baker has got the hair, but not very flashy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just guys who just kind of get it done. I mean, you know, Chatney's been struggling recently. You know, he's – you know – if he could get back kind of, you know, off the schneid a little bit, I think that offense would be, would be helped a ton. And, um, you know, I mean, when, when your catcher is hitting in the cleanup or the fifth hole, that's just a team that is not, you know, it isn't very flashy. That's just kind of, they put their head down, they go to work and, you know, they, they, they put together some at bats. And I think one, one thing about Ole Miss I've noticed throughout the year is, is that you might have, you know, you're in the, the, the five hole or the six hole and you go six hole, seven hole, you know, one out, two outs. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, this is kind of a wasted inning. And, you know, here we are at the bottom of the lineup and we've just, you know, now we've wasted two innings because of, you know, the bottom of the lineup. And, and then, you know, maybe it's Hayden Leatherwood puts together a, a double and then the next guy walks and then it's a single. And next thing you know, you've got your leadoff guy up, a run's already scored. You still got two outs and then, and then almost put together a big inning. I, th- I think that's happened a number of times where it looked like just a throwaway inning and someone like, like Kale Baker or Hayden Leatherwood, you know, puts together a, a you know, a nine pitch walk. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, Ole Miss has put up a three spot and they've tied the game three to three and, and, you know, they don't really look back from there. So I, I think that that's, that's a, that's a, a key thing to, to say is that they don't really waste innings. I mean, every inning, you know, even if it's, you know, two up, two down, they're still out there battling, and, and they can kind of get something from that. And, and they don't hit a ton of home runs, but you know, they hit—I think they hit a, a good many doubles. You say they're third in the SEC in doubles. Uh, Ole Miss something. Yes, 
I could look. Um, so, something like it, it's high up there. I mean, so they don't they don't have a ton of home runs, but they yeah. they, they do get the gaps a good bit. And I think you fourth, said they led fourth in doubles in the league with ninety one. Fourth in doubles, first in hit by pitches. I think that I think Justin Bench. I think he's like yeah second in the country or something like that in hit by he's, pitches. He's, He's really embracing the Ryan Olenek, Will Golson vibe. Hey, I mean, somebody's got to do that. Just get on base. I mean, first, you know, first in RBIs. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at the end of the year and you say this guy had, you know, a high on base percentage. They're not looking at, at, at did he get on via single? Did he get on via, you know, walk or hit by pitch? They're looking if he got on. And if you get on via hit by pitch, you're, yeah. you're sitting on first base. Yeah. All right. This weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, need to remind you of that last week. Uh, series of the year, so always Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, 7 p.m., first pitch, Friday, 7, Saturday, 2 p.m. Doug going on Thursday, obviously, facing Luke Wagner, Derek Diamond taking on Liam Sullivan on Friday. Saturday, TBA for Georgia, Drew McDaniel, the starter for the Rebs. Uh, SEC Network Plus, Dave Neal will be on the call with Jason Jacobs. So it should be fun to uh, take in the last three regular season games at Foley Field and get ready for the postseason. Because, look, as we close here, Nick, I I don't – I think this offense is built to win a regional. The pitching gives me a ton of pause for a super and definitely gives me a ton of pause for Omaha. Um, But, look, offense always travels. So uh, it's something to – Kind of, kind of, kind of keep an eye on. Like a lot, I know that there's been some, there's been some dark times this season. Um, yeah, a lot of questionable series losses. You know, in Starkville and College Station. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's been rough at times. You know, the injury stuff is something you can't ignore. Um, you obviously can't prepare for that. You can't prepare for Tim Elko on a fluke torn ACL. I mean, torn ACLs don't happen a lot in baseball, and then Gunnar Hoagland torn UCL. I mean, that's just a gut punch. But look, I, I think that this team can can hit with anyone, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where they get matched up. You know, if they're not hosting, I think they are gonna host. But who's gonna be in the regional, and you know, who is standing on the other side of the bracket? Yeah, and and we kind of buried the lead here. I mean, we really buried it. You know, fifty seven minutes deep. But the SEC announced on Thursday. I mean, excuse me, the NCAA announced hundred percent capacity for regionals. Hmm. That is, I mean, that's Huge. the best thing I've heard in a long time. I mean, that, it, it just, yeah. I wasn't too concerned about, you know, having the ability to get in the ballpark at 50%. So much as it's just not as fun playing in front of 7,000 as it is in front yeah. of twelve or 13,000. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's just good. Look, you know, hashtag grow the game. College baseball needs to continue to get more pub, and I think this is going to help it, you know, after a year and a half of, dark times for everybody and not just sports. I mean, just life in general. I think people yeah. are just dying to get out and watch more sports. So this is going to be great. So um, stay locked in redcuprebellion.com. We'll have a preview for this weekend. We'll have game recaps and uh, you know, like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, shout out to Nick and Ben. Um, who's not here tonight. We uh, reached over a hundred thousand downloads on pop beans. That's cool. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll have a recap next week. Uh, we're kind of getting back into a normal schedule, get back to normal, uh, back to homeostasis, if you will. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to all the sponsors. Thanks to Nick for joining. Thanks to Davis McCord, State Farm, for putting us in the studio. Um, but for Nick over there, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. We out. <laughs>